0: up everybody welcome to episode 115 of the masterclass my name is cam and i am joined by the one and only david hoag hello greetings and salutations yes how are you uh i am i am here yes yes i am present <laughs> uh rough night last night in the Brennan household our uh, daughter got super super uh sick for the first time And my wife described it as a vomit tornado. (laughs) So there's your visual for the episode. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I didn't give you a little warning there. Um, But yeah, uh, I went to bed at 2.30 because I had to be at work at 6. I had to get up at 6.30 to get to work by 7. She didn't go to bed till 5 when our daughter finally fell asleep. Uh, After changing her bed, our bed, my wife showering, and me showering for obvious reasons. (laughs) Um, but no, we, today has been much better. No, no vomit tornado, just a fevery, you know, baby that's clingy, which means guess what? We're both going to get sick. Probably. Yes. (laughs) Yes. What are you going to do? Not hug your child and comfort Uh, them. They don't know what's going on. She doesn't know any better. Nope. So we're both taking one for the team though. I'm hoping I will escape it. Yes. Not out of like selfishness, just out of my immune system tends to be a bit more rugged than <laughs> Meredith does when yes. it comes to that sort of stuff. If we both do get sick, generally I kick it quicker than she does, um, or she gets sick and I don't. So perhaps, perhaps I shall have another lady to care for in the coming days. <laughs> but, anyways, that's not why you're here. You don't want to know about the gross things that happened at my house. How are you?
1: I'm doing all right, doing good. So, kids are on spring break and woo-woo. Yeah. But we've had snow days this year, so it seems like they've been home a lot,
0: especially since Christmas. Already, yeah, <laughs> yep, quite silly.
1: So, yeah, kind of trying to keep them entertained without.
0: Um, I wouldn't even call them snow days, though. No, they were, like they were winter definitely winter days yes. because the buses here have to go out into the country, mm-hmm. and the roads, and obviously you don't want a bus full of kids sliding off of a one-lane country road into a ditch. That's really bad. Yes. So it's more of just like, eh gross weather day.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we both
0: grew up where snow days were snow days because there was a foot of snow on the ground or, you know, eight inches showed up in two hours, but I don't know. God, yeah. it sounded so pretentious there. <laughs> I'm from the North. I know what a real snow day is. Anyways, sorry. Shall we move on?
1: <laughs>
0: sure. Um, I do want to say this at the beginning of the show, I said at the end of the show, Okay. Because I say it at the end of the show, but it should be said at the beginning of the show so that more people hear it. Okay. If you are one of the uh, lovely people that supports us on Patreon, we just want to say thank you. Thank you. Up front, before we get into the content, because we think it's super cool that you decide to send us money because you like what we do enough to do that. And that is really awesome.
1: Yes, we appreciate you make it. make it
0: so that we can do this show Uh, at really if we want to spend any money, it's our choice. It's not because we have to. So you provide, you provide the money to cover the, the hosting and the domain and the email that we have. And that's really awesome. So thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. All right. What should we talk about?
1: I think we're at Romans three. I would agree. And we're going to jump down. I think the verse nine through 20. Make it so captain. All right, so here we go.
0: I'm sorry, Uh Sergeant. That was probably an insult.
1: (laughs) Not at all. All right, so no one is righteous is the title of this little section here. Romans 3, 9. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, no one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have... Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God For by works of the law. No human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. All right. So man, there's a lot of no one,
0: not even one all have done this. Uh, And then some pretty, like, this is my favorite one. Their throat is an open grave (laughs) and their tongues deceive. Mm -hmm. Why don't we talk like this more often? Mm. Like, because I don't know about you. Most rhetoric or speech that we hear nowadays in, in, uh, you know, public speeches or whether it be like, you know, uh, a political speech or a uh, theological speech, like a sermon perhaps, or, you know, anything like that painting a word picture seems to be a very lost art, right? Yes. At least among, among the masses, there are obviously people that still know how to do it. Um, But my goodness, does Paul ever paint a uh, rather bleak picture of the state of humanity? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, I think super interesting Uh, or not important is the I that I wanted to go with there. Um, That are we Jews any better off? Like we've gone through this whole thing and and you might want to read verses one through eight for a little bit more context. It serves kind of as a summation of what we talked about last episode, but it's the jumping off point into this new part of the argument. Um, Paul tied up the last part that we talked about last episode and is moving in this new direction. And you know, we're still on the Jews and Gentiles thing. Mm -hmm. we still haven't quite gotten to the point where we're all God's people, at least as a common concept or, or agreement. And so um, again, Paul, the Jew of Jews is saying, are we any better off? Like, and if anybody would know, he'd be probably one of the 20 that Mm -hmm. would have the authority among the Jews to say yes or no. Um, It's not like he's some 13 year old kid with a blog. That very well may be right, but does not have the authority, respect, and experience that is going to persuade his fellow Jews to believe him. Yes. So, oh man, could you imagine a a blog in those days? No. Just writing stuff on on some papyrus and sending it to all your friends. (laughs) I mean, I guess it'd be pen pals, but like, sorry, I'm just thinking there's like a, there's an SNL skit in there somewhere, you know? Bible Times blog. Yeah, that oh, I'll have to workshop that one a bit. Anyways, um so not at all, uh, for we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written. So he's he's saying everyone is under sin. If you don't believe me that everybody is under sin, both Greek and uh, Jew. Here is a bunch of reasons why, mm-hmm. or a bunch of examples that explain it that are all pulled from different portions of the Old Testament. No one is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one. All have turned aside. No one does good. Not even one. Like, it, the venom of asps is under their lips. <laughs> Again, that is a very good word picture there. Ooh, Yes. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood and their paths are ruin and misery. Again, a very good word picture, the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I think that is a, that last one. Again, it's a great summation of everything before it. Mm-hmm. All of these nasty, um, descriptions of the things that characterize both the Jew and the Greek, you know, ultimately is they do all of those things. They act that way because there's no fear of God in them, which, you know, I think is a, is a, and I'm, uh, I'm making an assumption here. So you may need to correct me or steer me in the right direction, but the, the concept of fearing God is not something that, I am very familiar with ever being taught or explained, whether as a kid or as an adult in church, Correct. God is love. God is mercy. God is hope. Why would we fear a God that loves us? Yeah. And I think to me that sets up a false dichotomy between this, you know, lovey dovey, ooey gooey, warm and fuzzy God of the new Testament And then the God of the Old Testament, who's like, all right, let's do this thing. We're going to wipe out some people. We're going to flood the earth. We're going to take over an entire land, you know? And then when you, when you turn your back on me, I'm going to give you up to your own ways. And like, they're not different gods. They're the same one. And so I think that over time, I mean, I think it's a lot easier to like God when he's being merciful and kind and, you know, benevolent and um loving I and mean, it's easier to see that side of him in the New Testament. But like that also disregards the whole like what happens when Jesus comes back thing? Judgment isn't gonna be be a big you know, like hug fest. It's gonna be the most brutal day in the history of everything. But like we don't talk about that. So my personal little soapbox there, uh, you know, aside, what what does the fear of God mean to you and how do you think people should begin to learn more about what that means? Cause it's a pretty huge concept and something I think is super important that I would like more information on. So I totally put you on the spot. I am sorry.
1: So, no. So, so going back to the old Testament, I, again, I, I, I try to make an effort to read the Bible, the Bible in its entirety because while we think of God of the old Testament as being a wrathful, vengeful God, which I don't think is totally a unfair or a stretch. I mean, there's certainly he is right, but that's not his entire definition. And that is a
0: portion of his character. Yeah.
1: But even in that, I kind of look at it and it's like, how many different times does he have to give these people? a second chance, a third chance. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not like he goes, it's my way or the highway. He goes, do it this way. And then they don't do it. And then he's like, do it my way. You know, it's like, it's like this constant, like if anything, if anything, so we serve a, um, and this is a little bit in terms of your answer of the fear for God of God is truly the only one who is righteous and pure and whole and, um, you know, he is the only perfect being. And so, um in our modern day society, I think we get hung up on these kinds of things of just like um like we're doing some God some favor by serving him or worshiping or whatever. And I think we've lost this kind of well, we've lost the fear of God. And as you read through the old testament, people experienced the wrath of God. And so I think if you've experienced the wrath of God and then you live like in the next hundred years after the wrath of God has happened, I think you, those people like have this healthy sort of like, you don't want to mess with God. You don't want to cross him. And again, I, I, as I look at it, I don't feel like it's this, you know, you make, cause I think this is well, I'll just speak personally. This is what I think we do is, is we have this sort of idea of God is watching. God is watching. God is watching. And if you mess up, he just can't wait to kind of, you know, call you on your screw up. But as I read the old Testament, it's like, screw up, screw up, screw up, screw up. And God's like, okay, you're not getting it fine. I'm going to come in and I'm, you're going to experience my wrath. And then when, when he does finally his patience give in and he does reveal his wrath, I think it is truly one of those things that for generations, they are saying, you don't want to mess up. You don't want to cross the, well, that's the wrong way to say it. You don't want to disobey the creator of the universe, because if you do and you're the one that he chooses to deal with that on, it is not a good thing. And, you know, I, there's, um, and I've said this before, I, the old Testament confuses me sometimes because I go, well, I look at this story and it seems like there's a whole lot of grace and a whole lot of second chances. And then Moses simply hits the rock with his staff and that's the wrong way to do it. And God punishes him. You know, I feel like there's kind of these extremes, but I, I think there's a couple of things. One, um, we are hundreds and hundreds of years removed, I think from seeing God's wrath firsthand. And I think the farther out that we go, and to be honest with you, it's one of those things that I don't completely understand. You know, we talk about a 400 years of silence between the Old Testament, and the New Testament, and we're easily 2000 years into uh, Jesus dying on the cross and the resurrection and then uh, the early church um, and what they did. So I think time, there's an element of time being separated from God and not experiencing his wrath that we kind of forget. What the fear of God is all about. Um, and then two, I think we we live in a world where it's awful easy to explain things away and that's that's what we do. And um so yeah, I guess those are my thoughts on on the fear of God.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna pick up right where you left off because I was thinking this whole time, like we live in a time where I think the fear of God is a very, very rare quality um, in a person. Um, I think that we have become so self sufficient for our basic needs, food, medicine, shelter, you know, the money to procure those things. Um, especially in the West where, you know, everything we do is somehow better than the rest of the world and all that nonsense. Um, that we we have we have created a culture uh where self sufficiency and idolatry has become the two most important things to that culture. I feel safe saying that uh if you think differently you know let me know and, and tell me why Because um, i I'd really like to be wrong about that <laughs> really would um But, yeah, I'm just thinking about, you know, my experience growing up in the church, my experience in college, you know, undergrad and graduate studies, studying the Bible, my time working for the church, um, and my time as adult as a member of the church. We don't talk about the fear of God. We don't. Oh, no. We aren't taught what it is, why it's a good thing. Like, it's mentioned here and there, but... I don't know if I ever taught about it in the three and a half years I was a youth pastor I'm sure I mentioned it here or there, but I don't think I gave it any dedicated time as to explain what it is and why it should be and how it helps to appropriately place yourself in correct um, orientation with God like I think a lot of people and again I'm projecting here so I could be wrong um see like their relationship with God, like not like his equals, but like real close when you're like, Oh, Jesus is my best friend. I'm like, yeah, but he's also kind of like part of this thing called the Trinity. And they're the reason everything ever existed. The reason that anything that ever has existed does exist or has existed. Sure. You can be, you know, besties and love each other and have a relationship. But like, there's a difference between you and your best friend, Stacy or John. In that relationship and in the relationship you have with Jesus, mm-hmm. like categorically on every level, it is a different relationship. And I just wonder if we have focused so much on the, the loving, the caring, the grace, the mercy, the, which, and I really don't want to belittle those things because they're the things that separate Christianity from every other religion mm-hmm. ever yep. in history. So I don't want to belittle those things, but I think that by accelerating or um, overemphasizing those things and not doing so also to the, the judgment, the, you know, damnation, the uh, wrath of God that we should fear him. Like why is he always represented by a lion? Right. They're terrifying. They're beautiful. They're graceful. They're amazing creatures. But my goodness, it can knock your head clean off your shoulders if it wanted to. Right. With its paw or its jaws. Like, there's there's a reason there needs to be a sense of fear and respect for something or someone who is so powerful. And Mm -hmm. I just don't know how many of us, and I'm talking to myself here, (laughs) like 100% respect the true power um, of God. And so anyways, all of that to say, I just thought that was a really interesting way for Paul to end that particular section of all of these things that Jews and Greeks have done that represent them, that characterize the state of their soul or their intent or their character with none of you fear God, mm-hmm. which I just think is a really, much like Jesus, a beautifully concise way to get everything in one sentence. So anyways, just my thoughts.
1: So as you're talking about, um, him him being described as a lion, I'm thinking of the Chronicles of Narnia and Aslan and Lucy. I don't remember the little boy's name. And I think they're talking to the beaver And they ask about Aslan and Mm -hmm. they say, is he safe? And this is in somebody's book. This isn't something I like pulled out myself. This is in, this is in somebody's book somewhere, but they ask, is he safe? And and the answer is no, no, he's not safe, but he's good. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, those are two very different things. And, um, particularly, uh, you know, I think about as Christians so often, what do we want? We want to be safe. We want to be comfortable. Especially in the West. Like, yeah,
0: I think and, we're, we're very knowledgeable of Western Christianity, but I, I would not place that on,
1: oh, amen. on
0: amen. other, other uh, Christians around the world that live in very different circumstances than we do.
1: And so I think that's the, you know, is he safe? Well, no, but he's good. Well, which would you rather have? a safe God or a good God? Well, I want a good God. And even what you're saying in terms of, I think people that grow up in the church kind of do, they grow up with this idea of God is my friend. God is my buddy, which again, I call you friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, he says, I call you friend, but which is if you just were like to remove kind of any kind of history or any kind of background about anything, which makes more sense to say, Hey, we're going to talk about, the all powerful, all my, you know, all knowing, all powerful, you know, exists everywhere, the God of the universe, which is easier to kind of on initial to accept that he's my friend or that he is a righteous God who demands holiness. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're talking about God, well, it should be easier to make the connection of, I better bow down and <laughs> be humble and realize that I am not worthy of the God whose presence that I am in. But yet I think most of us who like grew up in evangelical churches in America would say, well, it's easier to comprehend him as a friend than it is this, this mighty powerful God, which is a huge disservice.
0: Right. And, and you know what else is easier when you see him as a friend and not as the, you know, omnipotent omniscient creator of all that's going to judge you is a lot easier to see him as a friend is like, Oh, he'll forgive me. Or it's not really that big of a deal that I do these things. Like it's easier to justify your sin and your lack of intimacy with God or even your knowledge of his word. When you see him as just like, it's just Jesus, you know, especially when you harp on the grace and the mercy and the love, which again is true and is real and is a very good thing. Um, but I just I think we are and I'm again generalities, so I'm gonna be wrong um in in some circumstances, but like the self deception of you know what what that relationship is and and who he is to us and the power that he does have, so anyways that's that's that shall we move on to the uh the last couple of verses?
1: Yeah, we can. And, you know, one of the things that I am, I'm, again, I, our faith is such a journey and we are all kind of, you know, if you're actively participating in your faith and your relationship with God, you should constantly be learning. God should be constantly revealing things to you. And I honestly, as, as I have been reading through the old Testament here, in 2018 um, I'm through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua judges. I'm in the judges right now. Good for you. That's well, but, but, but I'm truly having this moment of like going, this is not a wrathful. We do not serve. We do not worship a rash or a wrathful, vengeful God. I like, I'm truly like going, this is us screwing it up time and time and time again and so as we move down to verses 19 now we know that whatever the law says it speaks to those who are under law so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to god there's this kind of piece for me uh, uh piece p-i-e-c-e of like I'm, I'm starting to go okay i like like i I'm, I'm like i'm starting to grasp this concept of the law exists to point us to who God really is. And like, I kind of have to laugh because I'm like, where did this idea of having our act together and being such like this good moral person come into being what we hold Christians up to be? Because particularly as I look at the old Testament, and I think this is true in the new Testament too, maybe not to the extreme, but as I look at the people that God shows to be his people every freaking last one of them screws it up i mean they all screw it up i mean they all just do the most boneheaded things they are selfish they're sinful they choose their and when god's judgment comes it's like wow that is so clearly deserved and when it doesn't come it is this element of like God is graceful. He he extends grace to those people and so um I I guess in my in my in my ramblings here what I'm trying to say is I'm I'm grasping the concept of the law points us to why we need Jesus and why we need grace. And just how inadequate we are and our just complete inability to ever be um, worthy. Mm -hmm. And um, again, it's not an excuse to sin. It's not a license to sin, but I look at what the the people that God chose to do. And I, I, I mean, like I just read about Samson's parents today and it's, it's really kind of this whole sort of like, their sinfulness, their humanness, their fallibility comes out to me in this, like, well, God is, you know, God is doing this thing and we're so like clueless to it. And then you read about Samson and it's like, Oh my gosh, forget about it. This was God's, this was God's chosen uh, person to be a judge uh, for the Hebrew people. And um, in that, I really don't have this sense of like, well, geez, I'm not that bad. But I do have this sense of like, just going, I am a part of fallen humanity and it is truly amazing that God has continued to have the patience with us that he has. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I'm glad that we do serve a good God. Um, a God who is loving and is willing to extend his grace to us and sent his his son uh, to die for us. So yeah, the law certainly has its place. And as often as I've heard that said in church for me personally, I kind of feel like I'm starting to go, okay, that I get that. Like I've, I've probably uttered that or acknowledged that in the past, but I feel like it's one of those things that God is really um, bringing home for me in terms of, why the law was the law. Um, again, the whole world may be held accountable to God. And if I've got to be accountable to God on my own, well, what I deserve is hell. And, and I don't say that flippantly. I don't say that cliche. I don't say that because that's what I'm supposed to say. The reality is, is I deserve hell. I don't deserve God. I don't deserve his grace. But yet Yeah. Um, being held accountable to God is yeah, I think of all the things that I would have to deal with in my life and in, in my existence and being accountable to God I eh, again, there's I have nothing to stand on. I have nothing.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. But in the same time, at least, you know, you're going to get a fair shake.
1: No, not, that's you're not, true. You're not
0: being held accountable by a crime lord or, that's true, you yeah. know, your stepmom or whoever may have some mm-hmm. ulterior motives. You know, you are going to be judged accurately by the one being in existence that can do that job. Because he wants to do that job, right yeah, um, I think i I agree, um verse nineteen and twenty um we'll read twenty just for a refresher. it says, "For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin, which is what y- right what you're saying, so the 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 beauty of how God has done everything is that he has set up his creation in a way that we have a choice to either follow him or not. And that is our decision to make, but he has made it abundantly clear that all of us, whether we choose to follow him or not, fall short by by the law. He has given us a measuring stick of what is expected of someone that is going to be in his kingdom and Jew, Gentile, pagan, zealot, whatever, you know, rabbi, priest, whatever the case may be, we all fall short, regardless of what our beliefs are, regardless of what our education is, regardless of what our training is, regardless of what our motivations are. We all fall short because we cannot, by our own works, get there. It is not a mountain to climb. It is a gift that only he can give, which is what, again, separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. It is not something that we can accomplish on our own. It's not seven paths up the same mountain because it's not a mountain to climb. It's not a wall to climb. There's no ladder, like whatever, you know, uh, achievable thing you want to make a metaphor. It does not work with Christianity. And this is one of many places where that is made plain and clear. And as we jump into the next section in Romans three, we're going to see why. It is not something we can achieve. The law is set there as an example of what we cannot achieve, which is our own salvation, Mm -hmm. which is, again, what makes Christianity, and in this case, Jesus, God sent to earth to be both man and God at the same time, so incredibly unique and crazy. Mm -hmm. So I think, again, not a think, we know this, Paul is an incredibly smart Person. He knows how to structure his arguments. He knows how to explain them and build upon them to get to the climax he wants to get to. And in this quick little section, we sum up the argument from chapter two about the circumcision and the uncircumcision and what it's really about. Then we move into everyone. It doesn't matter who you are, where you're from, what your last name is, how good of a Jew or how good of a Gentile you are. It does not matter. Every single one of us has fallen short. Now, Let me tell you why that's not the worst news you've ever heard in your life. (laughs) And that's where we're going to get to next time. Right.
1: So, yeah, it's just
0: really, he's just, it's just really good.
1: It is really good. And so the flip side of this for me is, so I've been looking at the old Testament. I've kind of been looking at all these people that, um, you know, are God's quote unquote chosen people and they seem to screw up time and time again. They also do do some good things they they you know God uses people so i i don 't want to completely do that
0: well he uses them almost in spite of themselves <laughs> I, I i have I, so so that gives me hope <laughs>
1: <yeah>. <laughs> amen yes absolutely i have have started to kind of um i 'd like to know more about paul the apostle mm-hmm. and <laughs> and i 'm shifting gears a little bit here on uh, on just uh, talking about um Romans three, but um, Paul certainly had his faults, and those aren't often the verses that we quote in the church.
0: No, he's put on a pedestal for sure. But he's
1: certainly he's 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 put on a pedestal.
0: We like to pick on Peter more.
1: We do like to pick on Peter more. And well, there's I think there's there's Paul the Apostle is a movie that's coming out in March. Kind of excited to see that. I've not even heard of that. I. We went and saw Black Panther. Was it good? <laughs> you know what? I It was good. I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy uh, Black Panther. Very um, not your typical white guy, suburban America type, you know. I think that's kind of the point. Exactly. But it's like surpassing all the other movies, I think, because of that. Yeah. Uh, so enjoyed Black Panther. Walked past a movie poster of Paul, the apostle. And in the last couple of months for me, I, one of the things that I've sort of realized is here's the guy that really, I, I'm not going to say single handedly, but, but I mean, he is the major player in the Christian church being the Christian church. Yes, there were others. They certainly, but man, our Bible, our new Testament, really beyond the Gospels is Paul in a major way. And it, we're it, it, at church. We're talking about Corinth, uh, first Corinthians. Um, I believe it's first Corinthians nine, where he talks about running the race and I run the w- race in a way um, as to win. Um, and just sort of this, like, yeah, it is first Corinthians uh, nine. Uh, particularly verse 24. Um, But just sort of this like, how awesome is he that he is truly this guy that has, I'm all about the gospel. I'm all about bringing the gospel to everybody, anybody, anywhere. And like, I mean, completely lives it. I mean, thrown in jail, beaten,
0: shipwrecked multiple times.
1: Yeah. I mean, he, this guy has, has gone through the ringer. And as I look at Paul in the same way that I kind of look at the old Testament and a lot of those people that, I, as I mentioned and kind of go, Oh, well, God still used these kind of people. I look at Paul and I'm kind of like, wow. What? <laughs> I mean, like talk about somebody to look up to and talk about somebody to try to emulate my life after he's the guy and um, have, have, have just kind of begun this sort of, Pursuit of learning more about Paul, and I'm excited to see uh what this movie kind of you know it, sometimes you can go and you're like, "Ah <laughs> that really didn't do it justice, but um because not only is he like a well educated Jew who clearly knows the Torah, clearly knows scripture uh his letters to Christian communities becomes our scripture um all the persecution that we talked about. But like, I even read things where he talks about, he he was a tent maker. I mean, he made tents like, like, I'm like, how does that happen? How does a guy become like the Jew of all Jews and could clearly go into the synagogues and do all this kind of stuff. But yet he goes, I continue to make tents. And I, I don't, I, I, I guess all I'm saying is, is I'm, I'm I'm fascinated by this man. And I think there are just levels to him that we don't even begin to comprehend. And I even think there's kind of this, I think he's a bit of a jerk and he's a bit abrasive at times. I think a bit, I, I think the people that
0: had like firsthand, I picture him as like Gordon Ramsay of the early church. <laughs> That's kind of how I picture him.
1: And, and in that, like, I'm like, I even wonder, like, if we went back to the people who received his letters and hung out with him and we said, Hey, this guy wrote, and I, I don't know how many books of the new Testament and, you know, and the well, year that's debatable 2018, he's, they'd be like, Paul, are you sure you've got the right guy? Like, are you sure that this is, are you sure? Uh, Cause yeah, I don't think the Paul that we know is quite what you make him out to be. And I'm, I, you know, anyway, I am in this place of just being utterly fascinated by the God that we serve and his willingness to use human beings and that our faith has existed for as long as it has through scripture, through people, through relationships and, you know, life on life, um, interaction and, um, as we continue in Romans and as we continue with Paul and I'm with you, I'm excited for this next uh, piece of chapter three and what we're going to encounter there. Um, I hope maybe we can um, also sort of take a look at Paul as well uh, on a deeper level, level and who, who this man was that is that is sharing this information with us Um because this book of Romans that we're looking at, man, it, as we talked on the front end, it had an impact and still has an impact on many, 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 many people and particularly significant pillars in the Christian faith. So, um, not sure what my total point was other than old Testament, new Testament and Paul versus some of the other folks and just the, the kind of Impressive impact he had and how uh, God uses people. So
0: cool. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah. We <laughs> appreciate it. If you want to get show notes, you can go to supermegacorp.net slash masterclass slash 115 because this is the episode one, the 115. episode. <laughs> uh, you can get Dave on Twitter at David J. Hogue I'm at Cam Brennan. You can email us hello at uh, supermegacorp.net. Um, And you can go to patreon.com. That's P A T R E O N.com slash Check out the fun there. And, you know, if you like the episode, maybe share it with a friend.
1: That would be great.
0: I mean, yeah, why not? What's Absolutely. the worst that could happen? <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for listening, ladies and gentlemen. We will be back next time with episode 116 and another chat about Romans. Thanks again so much. We love that you listen. Absolutely. Take care. Bye. to (laughs) Zane.